Anissa Hill and welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. Here we tell the stories of people who have done just that, Move to Costa Rica. In episode 24, we sit down with fellow Australian Georgia Atkin. 52-year-old Georgia reflects on her arrival to Costa Rica as an exchange student in the 80s. She describes life in the Central Valley and offers some perspective on the Costa Rican education system. If you'd like to watch the video of this episode, go to YouTube and subscribe to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. Before we dive in, remember new episodes are released every Thursday. Head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. Without any further delay, here is your host, Malcolm Hill. G'day friends and welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. I'm joined today by a fellow Australian. Her name is Georgia Atkin. How are you doing, Georgia? Very well, thank you. Good to be here. Now, I'm super excited to hear from Georgia today because she's got a long history here in Costa Rica. She's been here over 30 years. But before I go any further... I'd love if you could give the listeners a little overview about yourself and also where you live in Costa Rica. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Malcolm. It's lovely to be here. It's always nice to catch up with our fellow Australians. There aren't many of us, so uh, it's always good when I, uh, I come across one. Um, yeah, well, my name is Georgia Atkin. I uh, live uh, in San Jose. Well, actually, it's, it's called Concepcion de Tres Rios. Uh, which is on the lower slopes of the Irasu volcano. Uh, and we're sort of in the middle of Cartago and San Jose. It's sort of that uh, uh, middle. So, yeah, so although I must admit I, I feel more like I'm from San Jose than Cartago, but uh, we won't go into that. I uh, don't want to offend anyone there. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I live here very happily uh, uh, with my uh, partner, Liz, and my two children, Mariana and Federico. Uh, Mariana's 23 and Federico is 18. Yeah. And uh, I came here for the first time in 1987 as an exchange student. I think we'll go into that further uh, afterwards. And then I returned permanently in 1989 and have lived here ever since. Uh, so what I've done in that time, apart from see how Costa Rica, I, I sort of put it into these words, it went from like, and it's it's not necessarily a negative thing what I've got to say, it it, it lost its innocence along the way, uh, but that's that's got good, good in it as well. So, um, and have worked primarily in tourism for that time, and presently I am moving into the academic side of tourism as well, so I give classes at the university. I'm a lecturer at the university on tourism and uh, I've done a recent investigation on um, tourism as well at the University of Costa Rica. Yeah, so and I am now a creative content, digital creative content writer. I do some translations and uh, copywriting and a bit of social media as well. And yeah, so uh, I live a very, very happy life here. Very, very grateful to Costa Rica because it's been very, very good to me uh, over the over the 
30 so years that uh, that I've lived here. Yeah, so that's that's a quick summary of, of who I am. There's a lot <laughs> to dig into there and and I'm excited about it. I, yeah. I want to reverse right back to just where, where you live for those listening perhaps from Australia or from North America. Could you give an example of a climate that would be similar in those places? Because where you live, it's actually quite cool. Uh, It's much cooler and it's, yeah, it's cooler year round, right? It is. It is a lot cooler, although, you know, uh, I, one time I was speaking to an Uber driver and he said that a few years ago, not long ago, uh, Concepcion de Tres Rios was covered in uh, mist. It was very misty. Um, but I suppose it's become a very popular because it's of its location relative on the outskirts of San Jose, but close enough to commute in that. There's a lot of um, uh, a lot of housing housing going up, and um, yeah, so probably a lot of the vegetation and the coffee plantations have slowly are slowly disappearing. Um, so the the temperatures are, are warmer. And the uh, um, the mist is is very not very you know uh, seen very often, but yeah, we live on the on the the lower very lower slopes of a volcano, which sounds quite you know uh, quite exotic. Uh, and I must say, uh, I love just looking out, and I can look up in onto the where the, the volcano is, and it is it is cooler because uh, it is. Um, uh, higher than sort of San Jose, the, the centre of San Jose. So I always say when we go down into the valley because we are, you know, higher up. Yeah, so it's uh, cooler. It is cooler. We get um, – it gets quite windy and I suppose it it, uh, it probably rains a bit more up here. But uh, but still we get lovely sunny days as well and uh, we can see beautiful sunsets as well, yeah, because we're on the eastern side of the Central Valley. So we look towards the west and we can see uh, the, the, the sunsets um, and views of San Jose really and the growing uh, uh, urban landscape, you know, as San Jose continues to grow up um, onto the mountain sides and grow vertically as well. Um, when I came here, there was only about one or two, um, you know, 12, 12-storey 12 buildings. Now there are just heaps and heaps of them thanks to, you know, better architecture, architectural um, laws and, and seismic um, um, uh, modifications. Yeah, so uh, it's a beautiful place. It's, there are still some coffee plantations around. Uh, but a lot of it's been uh, – and, and the small town of Concepcion Tres Rios is still quite typical, uh, quite, you know, there's little shops and, and uh, the Catholic Church centre stage, of course. Uh, not that I've ever been into it, but anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so we live very happily here. It's sort of – you're in the city, but you can still sense that you're, you're not completely in the middle of it, yeah. Yeah, beautiful area, and for me and Anissa, we've said that that would be the area we would live in if I wasn't cursed with being a surfer and having uh, yeah. to live next to the coastline. Yeah. <laughs> it, because the climate's just so agreeable, you know, it's it's beautiful. Georgia, let's take it all the way back to Australia, and I'd love to hear about what it was like growing up there in the seventies and eighties. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I um, 
I grew up in uh, Linfield, New South Sydney, New South Wales, on the northern suburbs of Sydney, um, with uh, my parents, Margaret and Ted, and my four siblings. I'm the fourth of five, and um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so we grew up um, very happily. I went to a local school, Lin- Linfield Demonstration School. And then moved on to Monte San Angelo Mercy College, a good Catholic education, for six years. And uh, I, so I grew up in the 80s, uh, big hair and, and uh, big uh, shoulder pads, but had a beautiful, you know, beautiful upbringing, uh, full of sports, full of sports. I was a, a sporting, you know, played a lot of sports and, um, and have, you know, a lot of friends that have remained my friends to this day from primary school and, and high school. We were a, a close-knit group of friends uh, in the different circles. And, uh, and yeah, so I had a very, um, very happy and, you know, uh, a fortunate life in Australia, one that I treasure to this day. Uh, thank goodness for technology because it means that uh, I can remain in contact with uh, friends and family particularly. Although, you know, after so many years when, um, you know, technology didn't exist for me, so it was all via cut letters that would take months to, to, to get back and forth and the occasional phone call because uh, it was so expensive. Um, when I first arrived in Costa Rica in 1987, it was $16 for a three-minute call to, to between Australia and Costa Rica. So it was a real, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a real, you know, luxury, you know, to make a phone call. And uh, so nowadays I'm so appreciative of, of technology because it just makes such a difference and, and social media as well. But back in Australia, I think, you know, we, we lived um, just a, a, a a uh, well-rounded, you know, happy life, and uh, and uh, you know, a lot of outdoors. You know, Australian climate is, you know, works that way, doesn't it? And I think I think I, we lived a very white life as well. I think you know, back in the seventies and eighties in Australia, you know, there wasn't it wasn't the multicultural country that it is now. And uh, so I think, you know, uh, it's so amazing for me every time I go back to see the diversity of um, cultures and, and people that live in Australia now that, that are they're now, you know, part of the Australian, you know, um, social um, landscape. Yeah, so it was uh, uh, a very, you know, I think the, Ita- the Italian the Italians and the Greeks were the most exotic, you know, Australian. <laughs> uh, and so learning a language was just, you know, it was very difficult for Australians even to consider, you know, learning another language. And I went to a school where, you know, we had the opportunity to learn one of five languages that was still. But I was hopeless, 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 hopeless. <laughs> uh, terrible. And I made the big mistake of choosing German of all, uh, German of all subjects. <laughs> It's really interesting what you say about the that you think it was a lot of a lot whiter Australia and Australia now for those listening has the highest rate of immigration in the world the highest percentage of nationals who were born in another country it's around 25% and you can google that for some reason I find that really interesting and I'm into nerdy statistics like that but uh the Australia I grew up in in the 2000s and uh you know, to us until 2015 was really multicultural. 
Like extremely. You know, there was every colour and creed of child at the school I went to. It does create a, you know, it helps the, it helps the worldview within the child grow in a in a better Absolutely. way for sure it's such a richer richer way to live whereas um you know back in those days it wasn't at least in my circle it wasn't it wasn't as 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 evident georgia how did you end up as an exchange student in costa rica well it's a it's a good question malcolm i um my father Worked for Caltex. Uh, I don't know if it still exists. Caltex, the the the, and they were offering the gas company. Um, the gas company, yeah. Yeah. They were offering um, uh, uh, scholarships to a few Australians, uh, children of of their employees. And so my father um, sort of said to me, "Would you like? Does that sound like a possibility?" And it sounded like you know, I've always been very independent, very outgoing, confident, and and you know. Uh, so it sounded like a, an interesting opportunity, and I think I got the call, and I said, "They said, oh, you know, well, you know, you like the sun." I said, "I love the sun," and you like the, uh, I don't know, the beach or whatever. I said, "You like coffee? I love coffee." And, <laughs> um, and said, "Well, you're going to Costa Rica," and I thought, "Oh my God, where the hell is that?" So I went through this, you know, elimination process. I thought, "It's not Europe. It's not Asia. It's not North America." I said. Latin America and she said yes it's in Central and then I thought oh okay that's good I started to cry and then I got home and I told my mother I rang my mom and she said oh um uh oh at least it's an island it's not near any wars and I thought because she confused it with Puerto Rico and I thought oh my god yeah I at that time, Central America was in civil war status. All the countries are in civil war. And I thought, oh, no, we're next to Nicaragua and, and you know, just south of Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador. But anyway, I went to my Britannica encyclopedia <laughs> because there was no email, you know, no internet back then. And uh, and I started to look up about Costa Rica and it and – it, uh, it was just a short, you know, maybe half page of the encyclopedia with a little sort of black and white, obviously, photo of um, like a coffee plantation. And uh, and it was sort of read that was very, it was a conservative, a small conservative country. And, and uh, so I am, and then I got my papers from my family, the family that I was to stay with, and with to whom, with whom I still have a beautiful relationship with. Um, and they were uh, a couple with uh, two daughters, and my host father uh, was uh, worked with in a coffee plantation. He was uh, a coffee um, plantation um, uh, business owner. Cafetalero, so, they say, right? Yeah, cafetalero. Yep. And so uh, I then imagined. Then you had to sort of start preparing because this was a maybe the end of December that I got the news and I was to leave at the beginning of February. So then it was to get prepared for everything. And, uh, and I imagined myself because of the photo in the encyclopedia and, and, um, and he was being a coffee plantation. I thought I was going to leave on a coffee plantation and have sort of like a little bit like Casablanca with the white, the big house, the big hacienda, and then looking out onto the coffee plantation and the the coffee pickers. And, of course, it was, I was completely uncorrect. And, and I, so I bought conservative-looking dresses. I never wear dresses. Uh, conservative, <laughs> like, 
laced, flowery laced, um, you know, uh, uh, dresses, long dresses, very conservative. And was I wrong? Of course, it was nothing like that. But anyway, uh, and so I, I came, travelled to Costa Rica with another group of students some um, at the beginning of February in 1987, and that's uh, where it all began. <laughs> so you arrive in Costa Rica, and how long was this uh, this exchange for? It was about a year. It was about 11 months. And so the idea was that I would go to school, but I had finished school in Australia already, so there was nothing that I, you know, was going to gain really from going to school. I did go to school. I went to a, uh, a very um, a conservative Catholic school here. <laughs> Uh, that uh, my two, well, my older sister had already left. Well, uh, left school. She was at first year university, and my younger sister, um, who I have a, a, a beautiful relationship with, um, she was at the same school. And it was, you know, really interesting. Very, very conservative. Very, very sort of run by nuns. And um, and after three months, I said to my host mother, I said, "Look, I came here for a cultural." experience not a religious experience please get me out of this school because it just it was just over the top anyway so I went to a public school uh in La Sabana uh, and then I just requested to actually do some volunteer work so I went and lived with a um I went and worked for an orphanage in Santana uh yeah so I finished my you know, school year, I suppose, uh, working as a volunteer with with orphans, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. So I was I was very lucky to 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 be able to do that because um, it was really supposedly to finish school. Yeah. So I lived with my host parents, and in Escazú, in Bello Horizonte, in Escazú, I lived uh, on the west of San Jose for for that year in a beautiful place. There was I was you know, it was it was um they were. Uh, well-to-do, I suppose, at that time. They were had a car. Cars weren't very common back then in Costa Rica. It was still quite a luxury to have a car. So uh, I was lucky to, to, to live, have a car and, and uh, have lived with the family with a car and, and met, you know, they had a huge, a huge Costa Rican family. I, I went from, uh, you know, a relatively small family in Australia with, you know, five cousins to a family of, uh, I don't know, hundreds of cousins. So, um <laughs> yeah, so it was it was all sort of quite overwhelming, but very loving and and friendly and welcoming and and uh, in true Costa Rican form. I, I don't think a Costa Rican family wouldn't be like that. Yeah, so I was very very lucky to have that family and live with them for a year, and uh, and remain you know very close to them to this day. If we go to that first day you you actually arrived in Costa Rica and those first few weeks to months when. You wouldn't have spoken a word of Spanish, mm-hmm. I imagine. I haven't seen anything other really than Australian culture, mm-hmm. more or less, to that point in your life. How, how was it for you? Like how was that culture shock and what, what really stuck out? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it was. I think in the first, you know, few, few months, it, when you go on exchange students, very, there's a real process. You know, it's just, it's the, the first three months are um, – uh, sort of when you're getting used to everything. I was hopeless with the language. I wouldn't speak. I was, I mean, I mean and speaking's not a hard thing for me to do, as you can see. Um, <laughs> and I was just petrified, petrified of another language. And so uh, people would ask me, hello, how are you? And my host mother would, would, would answer for me because I'd just like go mute. 
and um and I think I think as a as a recommendation something that I certainly learnt and and hold very dear to this day is if you don't speak the language things will become very very difficult for you to communicate to create relationships to you know bond to understand what's going on around you to to really you know get a grasp of the reality around you and I think that was one of my uh that was probably my hardest um the hardest thing for me I think as a cult culturally it was you know I was it was very interesting it was very different back then um uh they would have little parties at the home and people would dance, you know, young people would dance. It was quite conservative, no alcohol or, or anything like that. And I would go out a lot with my sister, my younger sister. So she was 16, 15, she was 14 because she turned 15 while I was there, which is very, very big and cost or was back then. The language barrier was probably my, my, my hardest, you know, thing to, to, to get over. And once I understood that, and then I, I understood that I really put an effort into learning the language and I think that that was a game changer for me uh, when it came to understanding the culture and appreciating and that. I did, you know, have some, and to this day, some close friends, uh, other Australian girls and a girl from the States, um, and so we would meet up. So that was a bit of a, 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 a good escape sometimes from maybe the, you know, um, the pressures of all the, you know, the lack of understanding. Well, and the intensities of it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, you know. it's probably. I feel like it's hard for people my age or younger to understand that you didn't have access to a mobile phone, which allowed you to talk to anyone back in Australia that you knew. You exactly. didn't have any of that. You had absolutely no, no communication with, no. with anyone back home, and no, that, no. that's a whole different ball game of arriving in a new country and oh, having a culture sure. shock. Absolutely. Absolutely. So letters would come and go and, I mean, they would take months to get to Australia and then months to come back. So it was, you know, I was writing things in February and they were reading them in April and then I, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah, so I, I spoke to my parents twice in the whole year. I was, I was, I was, uh, yeah, to tell them that I had arrived and they called me on my birthday in October. Yeah. So that was, that was the extent of the real, you know, communication going on. The high school, the the girls were a lot younger than I was. And I think, you know, maturity wise, there was a, the gap was even, even larger. So, um, but it was very interesting, very interesting to see, you know, how religion played such an important part in, in their lives. It still Which, does um, to a certain extent in the lives of many still, Costa Ricans. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. So it's still, you know, and, uh, yeah, so it was um, – uh, I had great fun with my host sister particularly because the older sister, she left uh, to go on exchange student. She went to the States mid-year. So I my relationship was a lot stronger with my younger sister, Anna, and um, – and so I had a, you know, it was it was a lovely and had good balance with these foreign friend, you know, other stu- exchange students. There was a lot of, you know, activities and um, you know weekends away and that. So I got to see quite a bit of the country too. So you got to the end of this year here in Costa Rica, and then you ha- you go back to Australia. When did you realise that you were going to come and live in Costa Rica long term? Well, I think from the day, one of the things with with an as an exchange student program, it's they say it's harder to adapt back to your country 
um, it's that's even harder than actually adapting to the country that you go to an exchange student. And that was that was definitely my case. Um, and so I was. It, it took me. I went to university, and uh, it took me a year. I think I was quite determined to come back as soon as possible. Um, and and so I worked and studied. And and I think in Australia. I think it remains true to this day. It's very normal to go traveling, you know, when you're young. You, you, it's my sisters. My sister had lived in China for three years, and Dad was an avid traveler, and and Mum had done it back in the fifties. You know, finished her university, uh, her nursing degree, and then traveled to England. Put into that context, context, it wasn't particularly strange that I would, you know want to travel and and come and Costa Rica was you know obvious choice so yeah I think I I uh it was pretty soon after that I decided to that it was you know I was going to come back yeah I started living with my host family again and that was for maybe five five months or something and then um I started looking for a job I was uh working as a as an English teaching English um, and then I got the offer, this crate, this is, this could only have happened in the eighties. I then got in, in back in the eighties in Costa Rica, English wasn't, you know, it was, it was, it was a real privilege to speak English, you know, for a lot of Costa Ricans where nowadays it's very normal, you know, lots of people speak English. So I, um, this high private school in Costa Rica, in San Jose, uh, one of the best at that time, uh, was looking for a science teacher who spoke English. I had the English. I didn't have the science. But, you know, uh, so they hired me to to teach science in English. (laughs) Um, And so I got this job. I landed this job very quickly um, and, uh, and taught in that school for three years as a science teacher. So um, you would have learned a lot yeah. of science. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank, thank God, thank goodness. Uh, the the syllabus was very based on geology and geography, and they were the two of my principal subjects that I'd learned at school. And then I had studied at least one year in university. So fortunately, um, it was it was a, it was a lot easier for me until. In the last year, they asked me to teach biology, and I'd never taught biology. It was just I was a disaster because I'd never really, you know, studied biology. So I had to really wing it a lot of the time um, because I had no no idea. Sorry, students, um, uh, what I was I was talking, but it was that was fun. It, it and I mean it didn't scare me off because I'm a teacher again nowadays. But now I know what I'm talking about, which is a plus. So I ended up getting married. Uh, very soon um, after that, and so I then uh, then we moved to um, Moravia. That's where where we lived. Yeah, so uh, that was that was um, basically how it all panned out at the, at the beginning. And your husband from Costa Rica? Uh, yes, his yep. uh, ex husband now husband. Ex husband yeah, now. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's Costa Rican. What did you tell your family back in Oz about life here in Costa Rica? They weren't very knowledgeable of it. Um, the big, the big changer was that um, I, in 1992, after leaving the school, I began working for United Airlines. So it meant that uh, back then, in the golden years of aviation, uh, where travel benefits were, you know, very generous. So that meant that um, 
not only I and uh, could travel extensively, but my family could as well. So it meant that uh, then this long, this string of family members would come and visit Costa Rica, which was lovely. And so I was, uh, and it also allowed me, because the pay was really dreadful, would allow me to travel to Australia with certain regularity uh, on very, very, very cheaply. I think a ticket, a return ticket in business class was like $80 or something to Australia. And, yeah, yeah, can you believe it? Um, yeah, so it um, it meant that, you know, my mother, father who loved traveling uh was he was he was so sad the day i left united because it meant that his uh the possibility of him traveling would went you know was reduced considerably so everyone was able to come over and see you know what costa rica was all about and all my family came over at some you know during the 90s so it gave them a, a great picture of, of what australia was of what costa rica was was about and is and and they loved it you know very very grateful for you know and they love the people and and my host family and and yeah so it was uh it was great it's wonderful that you can have family know about where you live so that when you're speaking to them they kind of can put the pictures together and we've had my folks come out here my wife's parents come out here uh one of my sisters and brother-in-law's and another one of my brother-in-laws, and it's great now. They understand when we're telling them, yeah, there's monkeys, like, in the trees. <laughs> and this is what the coastline looks like, and this is what a windy day is, and this is what dry season looks like. It all makes sense. and It, it does, yeah. And it makes and communicating seen... with family a oh, lot more sure. enjoyable because every time oh, somebody absolutely. comes out, you re, you re-fall in love with Costa Rica because you oh, see it through absolutely. their eyes again. And it's absolutely. like, yeah, it is that spectacular. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's really, it's, yeah, it's great. Your kids were born here, uh, educated here, and now, are, as you mentioned, I think 23 and 18. Tell us about their experience going through all of their education here in Costa Rica. I think um, you know they they uh, they like their school. They you know did did, did did well did well at school. And I tried to. I was when I was um, deciding what school to put them into. I was I was um, I wanted a bilingual school uh, because believe it or not, they their first language is Spanish. I, I was very very slack. I must say, I suppose because back then I had so little contact with English because my friends were all Spanish speaking. I worked in a place where, well, you know, a lot of the time it was Spanish speaking. And so, um, and if I was to speak English, it would be from sort of with clients rather than a conversational social level. So it was, it became for me a lot easier just to speak Spanish. So with my kids growing up, um, you know, their their principal, the main language was was, was Spanish. Um, so I wanted them to have the op, you know, to have the opportunity to speak English. So they went to bilingual schools here, and they've had the opportunity to travel to go on short exchange programs and and strengthen their English. And I think it is a big a big game changer for kids uh, to speak English. I think it's a, it's a must nowadays, and I'd like to think that that English becomes more uh, widely um, 
improves all over the country because it, it does make changes. Yeah, so they, they went to school. They, you know, um, uh, Mariana is now in a, a university. She's studying social work. So she's continued on her education uh, in, uh, in at a university level. Um, and I, I find it hard sometimes because I think I was – I don't know what your school experience was like in, in, in Australia, but I find – I think the Australian school system just was fantastic back in the 80s and, and 70s, and I feel very lucky that, um, uh, that, that, that I got such a good education and that, and that had, and it, it's made a difference for me here as, a, as an adult and – and you know, um, when it comes to writing and and being you know a professional, so yeah, um, I would like, I would have wanted them to have as many opportunities as options as I did in Australia. That doesn't that doesn't exist here at a school level, um, at least the schools they went to. Um, but um, yeah, I think they they were just normal kids in a normal you know school here. They they. Uh, um, I would drive them to school. Um, not uh, my son ended up going taking the bus. I learned that that wasn't not necessarily to go into the the, the rush of you know, uh, traffic jams every morning to get them to school by seven. But um, yeah, so I think they just were normal kids, and and fortunately they have have had the opportunity to to learn it English, and uh, and now could be you know pretty bilingual. <laughs> so my wife and I, we are obviously, we have all these questions about yeah. uh, education as we plan on staying here with our family. Sure. And maybe growing it even more. And the amount of options for education are just growing every year as well, even yes. in Costa Rica. Absolutely. Like they're, they're Absolutely. Just getting, they're getting better and better and better and more and more and more competitive. And Very that's true. fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, and I think where you live, uh, there are some really good schools. I think you've got some good possibilities as far as, you know, because of the big expat communities uh, grow, and I think they're growing in on the coastal areas. It means that you have, um, you know, more opportunities. I, I under, we, We've um, gone to uh, Nosada a few times this year, um, and they've got amazing school there. Um, and I think it's, it's a real grounder for a lot of, uh, expats to, to to settle in in Osara because of the great school. So I yeah. think you know you're, you you will probably have some good options to to choose from when it comes to it. In episode nine of the Move to Costa Rica podcast, I interviewed a thirteen year old kid called Tanner, and he yeah. goes to a school in Brazalito um, up here in Northern Guanacaste, and. I know a few people from here in Plaza del Coco who send their kids there and mm. they rave about the quality of yeah. the education. And yeah. in that interview, he talks about how the class size is smaller than what he was used to in the US and he feels as though he has a much uh, easier ability to communicate with his teacher and get his questions answered. And there's a lot That's of things right. like that which – you know, to me really stood out when, when I spoke to him. So if you guys are interested in education <laughs> in Costa Rica and getting a kid's perspective or a, a teenager's perspective, uh, that I would suggest listening to that. And for Australians listening who might have travelled to Bali, because that's kind of a very popular travel destination for Australians, for my wife and Issa and I, when we first got here, that's kind of what we were expecting. 
We okay. were expecting something that was really built up, really intense amounts of tourism. And then we got here and we're like, wow, you can go to the beach and there's no people and there's no rubbish and there's no scooters buzzing around and there's no policemen on the side of the road trying to fine you for not wearing a motorbike helmet or any of those things that I was really used Absolutely. to in Bali because I'd gone there many yeah. times. And okay. yeah, Australia, uh, Costa Rica is just much more it's just spread out and it still feels so authentic in many ways mm -hmm. and also Absolutely. really like it's still undiscovered. And I know for you, having been yeah. here 30 years, you probably feel like, oh, no, everybody knows about Costa Rica now. But No, no, <laughs> no, no. I used to promote and it's and it's so gorgeous. I love it. You get this sort of sense of pride when whenever you, you know, go somewhere and say, oh, so where do you live? You're from Costa Rica. Firstly, it's sort of like an Australian in Costa Rica. It was sort of like that, you know, Huh, that's 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 interesting. Oh, I've heard such good things about Costa Rica. Costa Rica is so beautiful. I've been there. I've got friends, and there's just this, um, you know, uh, this curiosity or or love for Costa Rica, and it, it makes me feel, you know, a, a real sense of pride because it is, it is beautiful, and and uh, I think it's it's fantastic that we live in a country where massive tourism won't ever exist. It's it's just not possible and I don't think that's you know where Costa Rica even wants to go so it means that you know it remains that sort of you know just that uh uh you know hidden treasure you know that's small enough to 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 um but so rich also yeah so I I totally agree with you it's not nearly you know uh, I wouldn't want to see Costa Rican tourism any other way really and there are so many hidden hidden treasures still you know that aren't even haven't been discovered um uh and i think that's even you know so, so costa rica still got you know a long way to go to to uh, uh um you know lots of new places to discover and go to which is fantastic georgia where can people find you online well i've um i've got a a, a blog a blog uh a site that's called just georgia Art. Uh, a.com um yeah so i i have written for over a year or so i write blogs under the same name on instagram and facebook as well just georgia i think instagram is just georgia a08 not nearly as good and active as you but i you know i i try to you know keep them going <laughs> and and uh <laughs> and i, don't I love feel like we should I tell the them. listeners how we we actually got in contact i make tiktok videos and have a tiktok account which is in spanish and people here in costa rica enjoy it and george's kids saw some of the videos is that right yes yeah on tiktok yeah <laughs> and uh and you know pointed out to their mum that there's some crazy aussie bloke living on the coast here in guanacaste who likes costa rica and makes videos about it all day long so yeah. and also another really good one was uh you, you you this beautiful video that you talked about your love for costa rica and costa ricans and actually i came across that uh someone had sort of shared it in in facebook i thought it was so sweet i actually told um 
the uh, I think I can't remember. He, he works at the Australian Consul in in Mexico, and we started a up a you know a conversation. And I told him about you, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, All good. Yeah. Well, when when he, when he has to get me my second son's Australian passport, maybe maybe it'll help the process speed up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're lovely. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, and uh, it was gorgeous because I, I am a, a true defender and a lover of Costa Rica. So whenever I hear something like you said, it was, it was beautiful. It was lovely. Good on uh, you. <laughs> well, this country has given me and my wife a life that we didn't really think we would, you know, we didn't really dream mm. of a life like the one we have. But mm. it's, it's – and – I mean that in a good way. It's like much better than we could have expected. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. We get plenty of time with the family. We've got a bunch of different projects we work on and we, you know, juggle the schedule around and it's it's great. It's just great. Oh, that's and, so good. And always, I feel as though I enjoy making those videos because if one Tico listens to one or watches one and has a happy moment for the day or feels just a little bit more patriotic about their country and yeah. puts on that little bit bigger of a smile because they feel proud about being Tico, it's like a win for everyone. Absolutely. Win for, no, everyone. for sure. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, we're going to wrap up in just a second, Georgia. Okay. Any any last words for those who are considering moving to Costa Rica or considering this as a place to live? Yeah, I can I can certainly speak you know, from from my personal you know uh, experience. I think I, I I don't think Costa Rica has. I think it's a very easy country to to live in and to adapt to. There's no real cultural you know uh, barriers. I don't think to, to make. Uh, uh, a, a, you know, a, a soft landing to live here in the country. I think, you know, and I and it comes down again to very friendly and and welcoming people. I've always felt tremendously welcomed here, and uh, and I, you know, I love I love Costa Rica. I think it's a beautiful place. As any developing country, it has its challenges, bureaucracy, and you know, uh, uh, stuff like that. You know, which which can be tiring. You have to, you know have a, a quota of, of patience, of course. Um, but I think, you know, things work work out in the end. Um, and I think Costa Rican people in general are, are good people and and they, you know, will will always do their best to help you. And um, uh, it, it gives you opportunity to, to be close to nature and to, you know, any – any you can go anywhere very quickly as well which is lovely i think you can you know get out and and see the country and and uh and there are still some real treasures to be discovered as we said i think it's it's a country that's still getting to to be discovered and known i always you know, feel like it, robinson caruso whenever i <laughs> take whenever i go and in the four-wheel drive down the guanacaste coast to find a new surf beach like yeah. you, you just find these tracks with nothing on them and oh, it's God. it's still really wild you know <laughs> it is it's still it's got this wild element to it and i think it's it's and i mean for some people it might sound a bit weird i think i love the um, I, I, I also enjoy uh, that it's very sort of unorganised as well. It's this sort of this, you know, uh, 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 you know, you go to the centre of San Jose and it's just this, you know, uh, <laughs> they're sort of thing, as they say, you know, yeah. this, you know, 
and I love that because there's this surprise element everywhere. There's nothing. It's not all structured and orderly and and uh, and you know perfect in in everything. There's there's still like an Australian that... city is like an Australian yeah, exactly. city has had yeah. city planners look at it and then they've had yeah. architects look at it and they've had yeah. every different level of government look and make sure the plans are going to fit in with the city before anything ever gets built. And yeah, that exactly, doesn't happen yeah. here. No, <laughs> necessarily. It and so there's, yeah, no, which can be tremendously frustrating, but it is also just, you know, I love it. The, it's got a vibe to it, this sort of, you know, uh, uh, friend vibe that I love. And and uh, and I think, you know, Costa Ricans uh, 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 have have matured tremendously a lot over the years as well. So there's a, a, a more of appreciation for for culture and uh, art and um, and historical buildings and and gastronomy cuisine and and uh, you know this uh, uh, um, you know just and so there's a lot, a lot of great places to visit and go to and and learn and and uh, share times yeah so I think it's a it's a it's an easy country to live in and I think you know you are free to live the life you want to live uh openly and uh I think that's that's a beautiful yeah that's a privilege really isn't it yeah uh, again I, I I never you know tire of saying it how how grateful I am to Costa Rica that it's given me such it's allowed me to live such a, a happy and privileged life really yeah so um I'm, a, I'm Costa Rica's number one fan, maybe after you. but we're It's <laughs> been a real pleasure being able to capture your story today, Georgia. We're, we're going to make a video of this and the grandkids can look at it and their kids can look at yeah. it and they can find <laughs> out, like, how did Georgia end up here? So it's cool. Yeah, this. for sure. Yeah, it is. So, pura vida. Pura vida. <laughs> Here's a sneak peek of the next episode. In episode 25, we chat to 40-year-old Australian Corinne Bean. Corinne opens up about how a simple Google search guided her towards Costa Rica, meeting her husband over an egg salad sandwich, and her definition of success. For 11 years, we we ran, well, we built the business, Frijoles Locos. It's still going, and there's beautiful new owners. I love them, Drew and Jules. They're fantastic if you're in the area. Um, go check them out. But yeah, we built the shop and the apartments and this whole multi-dimensional business. And so that we ran for 11 years. And our typical day then was, um, I'm not sure if there was a typical day. <laughs> if you'd like to watch the video of this episode, go to YouTube and subscribe to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate, review, and share it with your friends on social media. For a full list of show notes, episodes to your inbox, information on becoming a guest on the show and how to support the show on Patreon, head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. Remember, new episodes are released every Thursday by 6am Costa Rica time. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, Pura Vida.